Welcome to Legends of Thra, a Dark Crystal podcast presented by Trial by Stone, a Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host. James Reedy. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Ten minutes later. How are you doing, James? <laughs> All right, you? I'm doing I'm, well. I'm doing I'm glad, well. I'm glad to be back. Me too. It's sorry about the last... First thing. First thing to yeah. First... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, for, you know... Happy New Year, everybody. I mean, it's been... <laughs> we're a bit behind. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, everyone. We are a bit behind. <laughs> we were, we didn't release an episode in January. We were supposed yeah. to. I traveled for like 17 days, and we just didn't... And then, like, we're supposed to record last week, and I just didn't... Wasn't in that space. So, James was like, are we doing this? Are you going to commit to this relationship? And I was like, yes, <laughs> will. So, here we are we today both, to, we, to talk we, about... Both been mega busy, for sure. Yes, yes. And uh, here we are back again to discuss the Skeksis of Thra, even though they're not of Thra. And uh, yeah, so we're just kind of going to dive into... Actually, just before we start, just okay. before we start, I just want to, because um, the last episode, obviously, we did the Mystics, but I, while I was scouring the internet, as I do, I found this really cool uh, little story um, to do with the Mystics. So I thought I'd just start off with that. Um, so basically... Um, there was uh, this really uh, famous makeup artist called Dick Smith. Uh, and he's loads of films like The Exorcist, uh, Scanners, uh, Godfather, etc. And uh, one day on, uh, on set, on during one of his films, he stood on top of a lorry or a van to get a better look at or the set. Or a truck for those Or a truck. Yes, a truck, <laughs> sorry. Uh, to get a better look at the scene being filmed. And someone shouted makeup. And he jumped down and caught his ring finger <gasps> on the truck. And he lost his, his actual finger to the wow. point where they couldn't um, put it back on. So they just had to sew it up. Now, there is a connection here. Just stay with me. Um, so years later, he was a consultant on Dark Crystal. And when they were coming up with the look of the, of the mystics, um, Tim Clark, who we all know who did the sculpting, um, he approached him and said, oh, your hand looks really cool because he only had three fingers and the thumb. And because he'd lost his ring finger, his actual little finger had moved closer to his middle finger. Mm -hmm. So hmm. he used his hand as the template for how the mystic's hands would look in the movie and sculpted from his hand, from Dick Smith's hand. Wow. Which I thought was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Because because anatomically, when you look at me, it looks natural. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was really cool that he'd actually molded it on a, on a guy's real hand. I think that's very cool. I mean, and it, and it goes right along with other things that we've discussed. Certainly you've discussed in terms of the crew and the creative crew behind the Dark Crystal, whether it's the original film or the new film, looking at how things work in our own bodies and saying, how do we build a, a costume, a puppet? around this and that's exactly what he did and i think that's great it's even more so yeah 100 so with that we're going to get right into uh discussing the skexies which are fascinating creatures but i'm curious like james like for you like what was your first impressions when you first saw the skexies as a kid my first impressions i think i was just totally mesmerized by them like <clears throat> we spoke before about how that opening shot in the castle in in the movie and how how weird and alien um, that whole scene is. But for me, I was just so, I was so enthralled by, I think, cause they're like that cross between a dragon and a bird. And, and just, again, it's like that idea of how do, where's the human form and all that. And I liked the fact that each one was completely different to the other. And the fact that, you know, when you get, when you look back at the interviews with Jim Henson and, you know, it, with Brian Froud and how they said that, the idea was it kind of like they went for the seven deadly sins aspect and then sort of added a few extra ones on. I think that just worked so incredibly well for the Skeksis. Each Skeksis in their team, it was like a competition to see who could do the best Skeksis. Mm -hmm. And some of the, you know, bunch of um, like the sculptor Lyle Conway who did um, the Chamberlain. It's just incredibly, um, incredibly detailed and just amazing, really. What about you? you? Know I would agree. Uh, well, I remember seeing the Skeksis, of course, the first time you see them is in the beginning and the, you know, you hear the 
that narrative and then you see them standing around the, the crystal and the lights the light from the crystal is beaming in their eyes and uh you know it's close up it's static but it's not static because you're seeing their faces and there's a little movement and bubbly and their mouths moving a little bit or you can see them breathing or their gizzards are like puffing up and down and i remember thinking like Ugh, like i remember being kind of grossed out by it as a kid also thinking too where did they get these things where are these things where do they live like not understanding that they weren't real um that's how real the dark crystal is and continues to be for me and we're gonna people will hear us probably say this over and over even though you and i and the people who love the dark crystal and the age of resistance even though we we understand how things are built how things are made how the hands were made all of that you can look at this thing and feel like it's absolutely living and breathing so in terms of the skexies and just again seeing them in the beginning and seeing and not really understanding as a child that they weren't real um their impact on me was colossal and it was scary they were scary and then there were moments there were moments where they could be cute, cutesy and funny. Certainly cha the Chamberlain took on that kind of funny, cutesy, but also gangly and scary in his body. You know, he's the only Skeksis we see full bodied, you know, without clothing. And they're terrifying to look at. You can't really make sense of what they are. Are they a bird? Are they a lizard? They're a cross between the two. Are they a male? Are they female? We don't really know. Um, and they had that long slinking snake like tail. It's just, they're just strange things. So, yeah, I mean, Chamberlain kind of stole the show, didn't he, on the original movie? Oh, he did. And I think, and I think that was out of all of the sketches from the original movie, I think for a lot of people, because he gets such a lot of airtime, he's a fan favorite. Mm -hmm. And it's, and like, again, it goes to what you just said, where you kind of see this, you see him transition. So you see him from this sort of like almost like in a seat of power where he's so confident that he's going to take over from the emperor to suddenly sh this weird, sh just completely bizarre strip moment mm -hmm. <laughs> where they just completely strip him of all of his clothes and, um, and his, and his power and, and to see him progress and trying to get back in to that group is, is I think for a lot of people is their favorite part of the, the film. Yeah. And he endears your, himself to us as a character. He's gross and he's slimy and he's conniving, but he's also kind of sweet too. You know, you also mm. kind of feel bad. Like when they're ripping up all of his clothes, he's screaming. You're like, Oh, leave him alone. Leave him alone. And then he's <laughs> on the wall and he's, he's like, he's whimpering. He's like, <laughs> you know, he's whimpering. you see his hands and it's just kind of, you feel bad for him in that way. And it's, it's, it's a rare film where, the bad guys you feel bad for um usually yeah the they do that really well don't they there's like several moments where you kind of like you go through this emotional spectrum where you you're, you're sort of scared of them then you loathe them then suddenly you feel sorry for them it's it's very well done and also yeah. i don't also that bit where he gets all of his clothes taken off you think about how many people were involved to do that yeah. like each skexis has probably got about four or five people on them and they're all moving across the stage floor to, to 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 do that scene and also i think in that that he doesn't seem he's the least puppet like when they're taking the clothes off and like you said you see that wide shot of him just pinned against the wall and he's in tatters and he's 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 bare skin and you can see all his spines and that it's very cleverly done he's, he he, very he, cleverly fe done. he feels real doesn't he and i'm sure there's probably people behind that wall operating some of his limbs because he's pinned to the wall so his hands are probably pinned mm. to the back um, yeah and the skexies are as i got older um as you know you, you obviously as you do we start reading about it we start seeing the documentaries we're like oh how are these things constructed and they're very labor intensive puppets they're as much as labor intensive as this as the mystics in a different way whereas you don't have maybe people standing in that really difficult pose but you have two people under essentially a blanket in this puppet operating it also with a view camera trying to kind of figure out how to make these things look natural whatever natural is for these things because they're also trying to figure that out it's a lot to go through and yeah they they've just always really uh impressed upon me as uh, a character as a design as uh something a part of this larger world and even as the villain i mean all of these 
Skeksis are villains in this story, um, but they're also yeah. very unique. Not one is similar to the other in terms of their character. And again, that's hard to do because you see movies where there might be a group of bad guys and you can't really, it's like, okay, the Knights of Ren, whatever. They're all, you know, no one gives a bleep. Shade. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'm going to shade. I'll shade. Um, but yeah, so I that's kind of my first impressions. Yeah, I think with the cha- going back to the Chamberlain, I think for me as well that the thing that totally sold me him was uh, the voice artist is a guy called Barry Denon, uh, yes. who's sadly not with us anymore, um, uh, who's mo- more famous for Jesus Christ Superstar. But his voice, his vocal performance at the Chamberlain was so unique. I don't think we've ever seen anything in films like that. Mm-hmm. He's so he's so like you said with with a a couple of tones you go from totally hating him to totally loving him and he does that sort of pathetic sympathy whimper so brilliantly mm-hmm. um and i think with age of resistance i think simon pegg who did the chamberlain had one of the hardest jobs out of anybody because that barry's performance in the movie was so iconic and so unique to Chamberlain that to you know every kid who was a Dark Crystal fan growing up would always do the whimper every every kid does that you know so you you know exactly how that should sound so to have that pressure to get that right for Age of Resistance I think Simon Pegg did a brilliant job and I think he absolutely you know, and, and 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 also you know Simon Pegg had more um more dialogue you know the Chamberlain has the most dialogue in the original movie anyway. But even so, they kind of limited that because originally they weren't going to have the, the English spoken language. Um, so in Age of Resistance, when they add all this dialogue in to keep that up and keep giving that, he, he, you know, Peg's doing an imitation and to, to do it at, at that well um, is testament to him. I think the only other person that would have had it harder was probably... Um, Donna Kimball doing Augra. Yeah. But, yeah she but she absolutely nailed it as well. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, I, one thing to note of, you know, a very intense conversation or in-depth conversation, the scene where the, essentially the, the emperor dies in the original film. And oh my God. Iconic. How, and it's iconic. And I mean, we'll get to the sore, you know, the trial by stone and all that, which is a lot for puppets to do. But <laughs> I rem- I'll never forget that scene where the emperor dies and he crumbles apart. And I remember thinking, being horrified at that as a child, but also thinking, how in the hell did they do this? Um, yeah. And I think they did it with reverse. Like, I, I actually, I don't re- even remember. I, I remember someone explaining it to me at one point. How they would you like it. to know? I would like to know. So basically it's like a, um, I think they use like a special, I want to say a silicon or a clay, but the under, so basically they, they made the face and then on the underside of it, they strapped um, cables to all the specific points of the face. And then it goes back to like a little cog. And all they did was just wind the cog and mm. those cables all drag. So it implodes the face wow. and his body, because if you look, closely his entire body implodes all the way along Mm -hmm. yeah to give that crumbling effect yeah and again that effect just incorporates into this culture of the skexis like they don't because you're seeing two scenes you're seeing the mystic die and this beautiful ethereal heavenly disappear and then you see loving yes and then you see the skexis (laughs) die and it's horrifying you know well it's crumbling i was i was think it's yeah, 100%. I always think it's like hyenas around a dying animal. Like, even though the Skeksis are all technically friends, mm-hmm. they're all just sitting there like, die already. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all just sitting, you know, even, you know, the Chamberlain goes to take the scepter and, you know, the Emperor pulls it back. But I just love that idea that they like, it goes back, they love, they're like vultures. Yeah. They're just sitting there waiting. It's almost like, you know, even even the Garth Ambassador does that. <sighs> like he's bored already. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like he's like, "Come on, die already!" Yeah, like I w- I want to be boss. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it it's worthy to or to make note of what's happening with the Mystics versus the Skeksis, or we're talking about the Skeksis, and the Mystics are 
in in comparison, loving, slow, not impulsive, um, overly they overthink everything. Mm. Um, everything is just process and liturgical or uh, built in tradition. Whereas the Skeksis, by comparison, are impulsive, out for themselves. They do things without thinking. Um, they're just grotesque by comparison. And you're seeing yeah. that in them. Just this, everyone's out for themselves. They're not really friends. They put up with each other because they kind of have to, but they all want power. They all want fame. They all want to be in control. Um, and you really see this, you know, at the deathbed or on the deathbed of the emperor. I think it's it's fascinating again to have that much character and to see, you know, you, you know, you see the ritual master there ready to like, okay, let's move this on. Everyone's ready yep. for that next thing and they're just and they seemed more or as horrified by the emperor's death as we do. But at the same time, we see a version of that death in AOR as well, I think, uh, what's his name or what's its name? The, the Skeksis who's killed by the Chamberlain also kind of shrinks in and crumbles up Ske- a little bit. Oh, Skek, Skekva, the general. Yeah. Skekva. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Which is, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm going back to that power struggle thing. There's, um, uh, one of the deleted scenes, they actually did the funeral, uh, for the emperor where mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it mimics the funeral that they had for the mystics, but carrying, all of his ashes are in like a like a, a vase that are being carried by the Chamberlain, the Garthin Master, and the Ritual Master. And I was kind of gutted they left that out or cut it because it just amplifies that power struggle that those three particular Skeksis, even though they're all kind of jostling for permission, uh, position, and they're always each of them is jostling for the Emperor's favor, that those three in particular are the ones making for the big play. And like you said, they kind of, with that knowledge in AOR, we see more of that. So we see more of the Chamberlain trying to worm his way and stay on the emperor's right hand. And, you know, another general uh, beating him down. Um, Yeah. And I was kind of gutted they cut that because it's such a wonderful scene and it, you know, it kind of just, yeah, it amplifies though that power struggle. No, I, I think it's interesting once we get to AOR, which of course everyone knows is a prequel. But so if you think about AOR and the Chamberlain jostling for power, trying to stay at the right hand of the Emperor, when the Emperor finally dies in the original film, which is a really a sequel to AOR, mm-hmm. the Chamberlain is without protection. In some ways, he's without. He was brought back into the fold of the emperor by the end of AOR. So when by DC, the original film, the emperor dies and the Chamberlain has no any protection of any kind. So then the Gartham Master ascends to emperor, and the Chamberlain is like, "Well, you you challenged him. You lost. You're done." Um, but again, all of this to say, they really thought about. The, the hierarchy and the power structure and how this was going to work. And it felt organic from AOR to DC. Like this is just who Chamberlain is. He's always vying for power. He's always conniving and whispering in people's ear. He's like worm tongue, essentially from yeah, Lord 100%. of the Rings. He is totally worm tongue where he's just like, do this and you can do this. And, you know, uh, and, yeah. Uh, again, to kind of pull back a little bit for for me is just really appreciating uh, the design of these things and the costuming, mm. which we could talk about, and ha- the the amount of um, uh, what's the what's the what do you call it? the amount of aging that their costumes went through? Um, yeah, and they, the layering. Those- and yeah, the textures. The, the, those costumes were more man. work than and than anyone else. More than the I feel mystics. so I feel so sorry for the uh, ARR Skeksis puppeteers, man, because they must have been absolutely boiling in those costumes. Oh my god! Because gosh. once once you're in that Skeksis, like there's no getting out. Like it's ugh, it, they must have been so hot. They must have just sweated and sweated <laughs> to get those scenes done. I can't even imagine. I, and I do remember. I don't know if it was what documentary or where I was reading it, but they were talking to 
either a puppeteer, you'll probably know this more than I would, but they were saying how the, in AOR, when they were working on the costumes for the Skeksis, I think it was Louie or someone was like, no, you need to continue aging that. It's not aged enough mm. um, to match it to the original film. Um, yeah. And just that process. And, you know, as we talk about the Skeksis, one thing that I will always remember certainly as it relates to kind of our friendship and our friendship with Ethan is when AOR photos were dropping, you know, the first three were like, Oh, Oh, okay. Interesting. Those are the Gelfling. Interesting. Deet's costume looked awesome. But then yep. the, the question was, how do these Skeksis look? Yeah. Do they, are these the same character? And when they dropped Skektex first photo, oh, I remember you being like, it's him. Oh my God. It's That's him. him. <laughs> yeah, and I think because because in that promo, you know, when they released that promo trailer and it was just like the announcement, they called it the announcement trailer, and there was like a prototype Skektek, and he's got like this silver armor on, and it's mainly just the head and the eyepiece. And I, and I remember just looking at it and I thinking, oh my God, that looks amazing. If he's like, if he looks like, just looks like that in the series, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And then they like, like you said, they dropped that first image and I was just like, oh my God. Like yeah. kudos to the, to the sculptors, to the costumers, like everybody, the teams that put those sketches together for Asia resistance, they are so amazingly accurate. It's, if anything, they look better than the original. And I know that's sacrilege, yeah. but just the, the, you know, none of the technologies changed. I don't think, but just the fact that maybe, I don't know, they just looked better. They just looked fresher. You know, there's a couple of moments in the movie where, you know, Chamberlain's face texture or coloring looks different from mm-hmm. where he's standing, where the light mm-hmm. hits him. Chamberlain in AOR looks incredible no matter what angle it's at. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those those sculpts. I mean, like I've seen I've seen some images on Instagram of the clay sculpts before they go into like making the the silicon face and all that lot and the just level of detail and i mean like for example even the new ones i mean skek mal the hunter he is stunning like he wears a mask most of the time but he's got like this layered fin thing going on and he's just he's just glorious absolutely glorious yeah and and that was another thing from for me personally like with age of resistance for Brian Froud to come back and create new Skeksis that you could just instantly believe they belong there and you could fall in love with just as much in their own way is a testament to that man's skill as a designer because he clearly has never left that world because it, any of those new Skeksis, whether it be the Collector or, or Skekvar or the Hunter, they could, you could pick them up, put them in the original movie, and they wouldn't look out of place. Absolutely. Like the collector. I mean, how many people just love that oozing pustules, man? That is genius. It's that absolutely is, genius. That is, that's just a hand pump, man. But that is just genius. And it's genius. You know, and what's interesting, although I, what I find really hilarious, this was probably four or five months ago. I was on social media and I saw someone in a Jim Henson group saying, I really don't like the the designs for these new skexes they don't look right and i wrote underneath them brian froud designed these and their costumes what's the problem like yeah so what is this really about and you know i mean obviously i've you know i've been reading comments from people reacting to the new the rings of power trailer and people oh, right, yeah, oh yeah. it looks cheap or it looks like yeah. cosplay i'm like it's ridiculous what the bleep are you talking about like look at the <laughs> richness and the level of detail and but it's These so people easy. are never happy man yeah they aren't and it's a bandwagon and i think you and i are positioned um not because we obviously we don't really work in the industry we j- we're just really big fans but we know what i'm just a big takes. nerd but we know what this stuff takes <laughs> we know that the skexis costume each of the costumes for aor and certainly for the original film took hours and hours and months and days and weeks to to sew, to age, to put beads in, to find the right fabrics, to layer mm-hmm. the right fabrics on top of each fabric. And for someone just to kind of toss it out with a sentence, like, 
not yeah. to say that every design is great and every design isn't great. Even if someone puts some a, a whole lot of work in something, sometimes that design doesn't work. But mm. the level of detail that went that went into the Skeksis, not just I mean, so not, it's not just their costume; it's the body under there too. What does the body look like under the yeah. under this? So. If we know what the body looks like under this, how would the costume then fit? So they have to work all that out. So what we're seeing is believable. And with AOR, on top of what we already have seen with the Skeksis, we are now seeing them with armor. And it's something we've never seen before. So yeah. how do you pull that off to make it look authentic and to make them look like they can wield it and it won't look stupid? And they yeah. did it. And it's amazing. Yeah. Like, I need to actually look at the, those shots with them with the armor on because it's amazing oh that 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 scene where they're all in the around the crystal and all just like gear like egging each other on and just the shouting and the hollering and you know the the, the flags come up and the and the the swords come out i i think that was kind of like that that idea kind of was amplifying what we'd seen with um uh skekung the uh, Garthin Master, because if you notice in the original film, when he does trial by when they're in trial by stone, before he hits the uh, the stone, all of his like fins, just like he's like hackles on the back of his neck stand up on end, mm -hmm. and it's almost like it's like an amplification of that. Um, yeah, and that the scenes with the where they're all armored up um, was actually I, th I do believe that was actually going to be used for um, Power of the Dark Crystal that they then reincorporated into AOR because I think I've seen, I swear I've seen some um, uh, photos where they were going to do that with in power of the dark crystal and they just reused that, which is yeah. genius. Totally. But um, I think, I think one of the things as well that I really liked that they incorporated into the new series was in the original movie, each of the Skeksis had their own movement. So, you know, the Chamberlain has that really weird, swaggery sort of wormy movement to him and um uh you know the ritual master is always very upright and he's kind of keeps his head and he kind of bobs his head forward and then you get someone like helena smee who did the collector and she does this kind of like really weird wave movement where it kind of leads with the head and then the body follows mm -hmm. and i was just entranced by that every time she every time the collector kind of gets like excited or what getting ready to do something she kind of does this like um like flag movement and uh i really liked that and i thought again you know warwick did the chamberlain an age of resistance and i thought you know he he must have spent ages watching frank oz's original performance on chamberlain because he was spot on like it's Absolutely. like like it's like for like like it's mm -hmm. exact it's the same character there's no point where you sit there and go oh these aren't this something's not right here that you feel it feels authentic and that for me i think was really important even even with some of the other characters you know the the voice actors weren't the same so like mark hamill for example did skek tech whereas before it was steve whitmire at first it's kind of like it's not that it doesn't sit well you kind of just like oh, okay it's a different performance but as soon as you get past that in those opening minutes, you're straight in because everything mm -hmm. else feels authentic. So you can mm -hmm. let that go. And um, yeah, I just thought they did an amazing job on Age of Resistance. Yeah, I, actually, the only criticism I would have of the Skeksis performance is actually Mark Hamill's. I, I do think he did a pretty good job. I, I, I believed it. Towards the end of the show, his voice pitch changed. There's like a sounding. crossover point, isn't there? Yeah, like the first like, sort of four episodes, he's doing. He's I I we I think we discussed this, but I can't remember where we discussed this. But it feels like he's it's two recording sessions. I wonder if there was like a gap in between because it feels like he's doing something tonally with those first four episodes, and then the last half it kind of changes and he kind of just falls back into his Mark Hamill shape that he does. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't pull me out. Doesn't just, pull me out. It's just, just a noticeable. You difference. just know it's there. You just yeah. know it's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but aside from that, like, and I, I also wanted to mention in terms of the original film, and this is huge. So not only are they making full size puppets for the puppeteers to operate and to act with in the original film, they also then made smaller scale versions of these puppets for 
uh, little people. Is that the correct term? Yes, I do believe so. Small okay. actors, small yes, actors, small actors um, to put on so that when they shoot them in the crystal chamber, it looks even bigger. Which I remember when we first started seeing trailers or images from AOR, I'm like, the crystal chamber seems smaller, but it isn't. It wasn't smaller. They just decided we're not going to do. We're not going to use small people. We're just going to use these puppets in it. So the crystal chamber does feel smaller because the the puppets aren't. They're not changing size of the puppets. They're mm. just keeping the same one. So it looks a little bit, a little bit more closed in. And the crystal chamber. They didn't build all of it. They built only a section of it, so it doesn't go up. Whereas in the original film, they could do this huge pan of the crystal chamber and it was huge because they built so much of it whereas with AOR they did not they only built as much as they needed to to get those shots that they did but it's closed in it doesn't feel as grand as it did in the original film yeah it kind of in Age of Resistance that it it feels claustrophobic because and I think that's that's 100% intentional Mm -hmm. like the camera the camera is is on the floor so you're looking up at the Skeksis as they're round the crystal and you get this sense of their power and their structure and how monstrous they are. Whereas with, with the original movie, Jim's kind of not, not doing that. He's kind of, he's trying to show how grand the castle is. So, you know, we start off this amazing wide shot of the castle in the desert. But as we get closer and closer, you like, we come in through that top balcony and it's to show how grand the castle is and where they're living and the crystal chamber. And it's just a diff- it's a completely different approach. Mm-hmm. Um, the Skeksis are definitely bigger. They still did use small actors for Age of Resistance, but they are, they're not, are not, the, not dwarves. They're actually like, you know, normal puppeteers, but they're sort of like around the, I think it's four foot 11. Hmm around that mark um for the wide shots because you know when like for example Warwick doing Chamberlain if he was to walk you know you could see you'd be able to see his feet so they did they did have other actors to do it as well but um yeah it's a different it's a different approach for sure to your point I know this is something that's in the documentary which is available on Netflix for anyone to see the documentary about (laughs) Age of Resistance um they decided to move that camera more as opposed Mm. to the original film where a lot of it was static. So they'd have these static shots and maybe some things were going on in those static shots to give it some life. But the original film is very static as compared to AOR, which is that camera's moving and moving and moving and it's full of life. Um, And they're doing things that they never even dreamed or they only (laughs) dreamed of doing in the original film, but they had the means to do for AOR. Um, so I think that's also part of it, too, where things look a little bit different because the camera's in different places. The camera's in places it's never been before. So, But all of this to say that these aren't at all criticisms. These are just differences. No, not in, at all. You know, well, I mean, that, 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 that difference allowed them to do Skek Mal. You know, mm-hmm. for anybody who doesn't know, the other Skeksis is kind of like traditional puppetry. So they're inside the creature with their head, the, the hand inside the head. Whereas with Skek Mal the Hunter, it was basically like a, a costume. So you had Nick Kellington, who did an amazing job as the hunter, um, in like a costume with like a, a helmet, which on the helmet had the hunter's head. And then Kevin Clash would stand on the side with like a, a hand rig and he'd operate the hunter's mouth to do the talking, but it's all remote control animatronics and the reaction times are incredible. Mm. Like I, I, when I first saw, I thought <laughs> me, but not being in tune with pu- modern puppetry. I thought when Nick was performing that Kevin was behind him and putting his hand in the head, but no, it's all modern day animatronics. And uh, it's a similar thing to what they've just used on Fraggle Rock as well with um, the Gorgs, the, um, uh, is it Junior? I think. Um, again, a guy in a costume with a, an elaborate mask, basically, and someone stood on the side performing the face and mouth. And it just, I, I, I just think, you know, the Skek Mal was just ingenious. To have a Skeksis, that, it seems so stupid, but to have a Skeksis that runs, it 
because you because from the original movie we knew what the mold was for a Skeksis, so to see a Skeksis running was just like it just blew my mind. As soon as yeah. it was in that trailer, I was like, "Whoa, yeah, this is and crazy!" What I love about Skekmal too is the risk they took. It was a big risk for them to say, "You know what? Let's do something different. Let's yeah. make him." more mobile let's make him run let's make him jump through in trees and swing and and i know that they're and it makes him more scary it makes him 100 percent more scary mm-hmm. like the idea i always always as a kid always thought oh the skex is just you know this oh god the skex is gonna get me but like <laughs> they were never that quick you know whereas now you've got one that literally can run after you i mean it's horrendous yeah, yeah and to make it scary to have a skexies that already look really intimidating to take it at the next step and to make him as terrifying as they made him, I mean, they made him brutal. There was mm. no hesitancy. He didn't. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't. His. He spoke with his actions, and his actions were death and trophies. And it was terrifying. I mean, the, the moment that Skekmal, um faces Rianne and his father in the forest, um, that's some really crazy, scary stuff and well, it, dark. It's stuff. almost. It's almost Shakespearean. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, I, he lives by his own code. I love this idea that even the Skeksis are afraid of him. You know, when the Chamberlain calls him, the rest of them are like, oh my God, he's, he's not really done that, has he? <laughs> like, yep, he's, he's, he's bringing Skekmal and everyone else is afraid of him. And I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I loved also like the idea of by wounding the hunter, it kind of hits home to this idea that the Skeksis are so in tune with their own mora- uh, mortality and that they, the worst thing that they fear is their own death. Mm-hmm. So to see the strongest of them in pain and almost on death's door in front of them, it was genius. It just added another layer. Yeah, yeah. And when the moments when Skekmal was hung up and strung up like a puppet, which oh, I thought was a little meta, like genius. it was terrifying. It was really genius. terrifying. And again, I just, hats off to them for, because I remember when I first saw images of, Skekmal, and then some snippets of him like moving. I'm like, oh, it's kind of human. But I thought, and it took me a little minute just to kind of get used to him. But then I was like, no, I'm in. I'm buying this because they needed to do something that wasn't just another Skeksis sitting around, talking, acting, you know, mysterious and dark. They needed a Skeksis to be more than that. They needed a different one, and they just did it perfectly. Um, it's just. Oh, it's just amazing. It really is. And his costume and the, the helmet, the, the bone the skull. helmet that he's wearing, yeah. the skull. Yeah, it's just, it's genius, genius. And it's testament to the writers as well, because like they, my biggest, my biggest problem that I've always had with prequels is they kind of like, they get given this sandbox to play in and they just push the envelope too much in certain directions. So it becomes the connection to the original material kind of mm-hmm. fades away mm-hmm. with age of resistance. Everything just feels natural. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, Skekmal is enough different that you believe him to be there, but not too much that you go, Oh, Skeksis wouldn't do that. Like the writing on age of resistance was just stellar. Absolutely mm-hmm. stellar. That group mm-hmm. of people were just incredible. Um, and again, like the thing that worked so well with, 10 hours, 10 whole hours of television was we got time to see all those Skeksis and have their moment. All of these characters had their moment, you know, even like, you know, the Gormand in, in the, in the original, you know, he, everyone always had more food, more food. Right. And that's really all he's known for. Mm -hmm. And yet we get to have that amazing scene where Rian has been ousted and uh, the Gormand walks to the castle entrance and almost threatens that Gelfling to say, you know, um, no one is to leave this castle without your Lord's permission. And the look on the Gelfling's face is in pure horror because, this, mm-hmm. this, you know, he hardly has anything to do with the Skeksis and suddenly one of them is like touching his face. And it's just those little moments that just stand out and everybody gets their moment, you know? Yeah. And uh, to to that point again, those moments when Skektek and the collector are in the carriage and they have that discussion. The scroll keeper. The scroll keeper. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Skektek. Um, and the scroll. By the way, the scroll keeper 
to me, stole every scene he was in. Like, he's one of the best characters of that show. I absolutely adore him. He's uh, just the performance, the way he looks, the tenderness that the, the Skeksis could show. And in that, in that carriage scene, you see, or yeah, you see the collector talking about, I used to be beautiful. And then, of course, the classic line, you, will ne- you were never beautiful. I love, <laughs> I love that moment humanizes them in a way or gives them depth in a way that and even there's another scene where the emperor and the uh what's that other skeg the not the he's like the stand-in gartham master what's his name skegva the general skegva they're standing over the you know the open part of the down below the open part of the the castle where the the darkening is happening or whatever yes there's this moment where they're sharing together of a different life that they had and oh, memories and dreams it's beautiful, about it. isn't it? It is. And it, 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 again, it humanizes them. It gives them depth in a way that they're not just these malevolent creatures. I mean, they are, but there's some sparks in them that's missing and they know that and they can sense it, but they, they don't pay attention to it. And instead they just terrorize things and people or whatever to cover that voice up. Yeah, there's that incredible line where he's like, uh, do you remember what it was like before we were torn asunder? Before you were rent asunder, sorry. And I, I just love that the, the idea that they, they took these horrendous looking villains and yet in that single moment, you kind of empathize with them. Mm-hmm. Like, a part, you, you know, we know that they're split and their soul is split, but you, for a moment, you just think, what would that be like to know that you permanently have a part of you missing that you can never get back? And that do you want it back? Do they secretly, do they, do they really like being the bad guys or is it just that they've chosen this path now that this addiction of the essence has taken hold and that they're so scared themselves of dying that there's no way back now. Like this is our, this is the road we're on and there's nothing else we can do about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that whole scene is just brilliant. It is. And then there are other smaller scenes when they're at the dinner table and you see the emperor's fingers are breaking off and you're seeing the and he puts grim. it on the food and then he eats it or whatever like it's gross yeah but they're also and then you see his nose like or his beak area and that's kind of falling apart these creatures are in stages of decay and mm. and and their costume isn't just there for to say, oh, it's beautiful or beautifully terrible or whatever. It's there to keep their bodies together because they're falling yeah. apart. And that's what their Yeah, and that's what their their bitterness and anger has done to them and will do to them. It's just tearing them up. It's breaking them down. And so then they find the essence and that's giving them new life and it's keeping them together. And so they become drug addicts almost. Mm. But it's uh, an analogy for being drunk on power. The idea that you have power over something that you can break something down and then feed off of it. Um, Literally feed off of it. Yeah. One thing I find really interesting as well, it's like the emperor's nose armor. Like if you look carefully, the swirls imitate the swirls of a mystic. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like he's he's openly challenging others to say, to like you know, he he he's acknowledging his old life, in but he's manifested it in something that's aggressive. Like it's it, you know he's lost his beak, but you know it, it's metal and it's sharp and it's aggressive, and yet he's got these subtle swirls on it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he's challenging what he used to be. Yeah. And I think one interesting uh, factor happening in this world is obviously the Skeksis are not chasing after the mystics. Why? Because if they do and kill them, they die too. So they live in a mm. symbiotic world and they can, but what they're doing is they're killing or controlling or whatever, asserting control over things that they can, which are the Gelflings and the Podlings. They can't do that with the Mystics. They can't even, I mean, I guess they could enslave the Mystics if they wanted to, which actually I remember seeing when I first saw images of AOR, I thought I had seen 
Irva in a jail cell like he had been captured by the Skeksis. Of course, I was wrong, and it was he was in the 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 place he was with the Conqueror. But I thought, oh, that would oh, be interesting they, um... if the Skeksis are holding their counterpart, one of their counterparts, captive. Like, I can't kill you because if I do, I die, but we're not going to. Like, and I was th- even thinking maybe they find out that this the mystics have a part in the prophecy. So to keep them from that part, to keep their reign going, they imprison one of them. So they're going to keep them mm. alive because they need to, because um, it will ensure them. But they're also going to make sure that it does not have anything to do with helping the Gelfling do what they need to do, which we eventually see in the original film. That was just something that was playing in my head when I first saw some images. I'm like, whoa, this this mystic's captured. It's behind bars. But it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just yeah. different context that I wasn't noticing. That, that, was, uh, that was AOR season two. That am yeah. I joking? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> we had to yeah. bring it up. We had to bring yeah. it up at some point. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, no, I just, there's hope on the horizon. Not that we know anything, because none of us do, but the only hope Absolutely is, nothing. Um, the Hensons have gone completely, the Henson Company has gone completely silent on AO, on Dark Crystal, anything. There's been nothing. Nothing. Mm. Not a drop, not a sound, nothing. No Facebook posts, no social media posts, nothing. The only not thing we've smidgen. heard about- yeah, the only thing we've heard about that from um, what's her name, Hallie Stanford. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yes, Hallie Stanford mentioned saying that they're ready and they are nimble. Um, very cryptic. Like, yes, we'd like to do this, and we're ready. Um, when someone, we just asks need to her, find the right place. Yeah, we just need to find the right place. My, my I believe they found it. I believe. It, they're getting everything in order to make an announcement. And that's hope against hope. I could be completely wrong and my hopes yeah. would be dashed. That's our personal point, that's our personal opinions, by the way. It is our personal opinion. And there's some things pointing to that that we are surmising, but we don't know. Yes. At any rate, I'm happy to sit here and talk with you um, about what is here for us, the ten yeah. hours of resistance, the hour and a half of the Dark Crystal. There's so much there to discuss. Yeah. I really um Going back to the Skek father general, I thought he was, because um, a lot of people were upset. There's sort of like, you know, there was an absence of um, the Garthid master and the, tre- yeah. the treasurer and the slave master. But, you know, you can only do so much with a budget. So if they wanted to tell new characters and, and new stories, sometimes those things have to be given up. But I really liked the new general, I suppose you could call him. Um, I think uh, that was, he was puppeteered by Kevin Clash. And I loved his expressions were uh, really, I found them really quite comical. A lot of the time, there's certain, he's got his really great eye stare that he does. And I think his mouth is the most, and this isn't insulting anyway, like Muppety, in the fact that he's kind of like, he's got mm-hmm. this kind of like turtle snapping type yes. thing. Yeah, yeah. And, I just loved him. I thought he had some really great so moments. Too. Yeah. And um, there's he's, some he's, similar he's, moments in the original film, too, with even the, the ritual master doing this like pump muppety, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, he must pay, yeah. you know. He must pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that line. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I, he kind of has like this, he's kind of like a, I always think his stare is very chicken like. I don't know why. He's like a cross between a chicken and a pig. He's got that kind of snort, hasn't he? Yes. And um, Benedict Wong does the voice, Mm -hmm. who is, for most people, probably know him from, um, he's Wong in um, the Marvel movies. Doctor Strange and all that lot. And I just thought he did a great performance. I I did too. I did too. I just loved him. Um, And Aquafina as the collector, I thought was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because like Aquafina is a, a comedy actress, really, in in uh, what she does mainly, um, and she's kind of come out of her shell in recent years since doing Dark Crystal. I mean, now like she's in um, Shang Chi, yeah. um, and she was great in that as well. And I, I really like her. A, a great again, another vocal performance, really different. Um, and I, yeah, I just think they were um, really well chosen. To, for these new characters to have something different about them and n- not something we'd seen before. But um, I, particularly with the general, I love that moment when um, 
he turns up to Stone in the Wood and it's at night and they the Arathim take over the Gelfling. And there's a moment where he's got the lights on Augra and she looks at him and he kind of does this like head wobble thing where he's like, yeah, you, you are not going to do anything. <laughs> and she just kind of does that snarl back at him a bit like a dog would do, you know, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's some really amazing moments. It is. I mean, and there's but so I think, more. I think it's really interesting as well. The fact that he looks similar out of all the Skeksis, he, the, the Skekfar, the general, and Skekung, the Garthim master, look very similar. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, you know what Skek I mean? Ung like in design, Skekung doesn't. No, have it hasn't that. got that like turtle snapping thing. Yeah, but I, my fan theory, if anybody wanted to know, was always that before they split, their Earth Skeks were like related, that they were like brothers. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that'd be a really, that's just my fan theory. That I thought it'd be, be a really cool twist on it. Cause then that'd explain why I thought it'd be cool if they introduced Skekong again, that he'd already have this hatred of the Chamberlain, mm-hmm. that he kind of suspects that the Chamberlain may have killed his brother. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that feud oh. that we get to in the movie, it's already set in motion. He already doesn't trust him. That'd be but, great. I think that would be some great. Because I think really what makes this world, any world you create, Tolkien, whoever, what makes it believable is it feels like there's, it feels like it exists beyond what they're showing, which Dark Crystal, one of the reasons why it's so successful is because the world feels texturally real. The Dark Crystal feels like a real story that happened, much like Tolkien's world does, Hmm. because of all of the time and effort that went into world building, not just what we see on screen, but what we see in books just the layers of things that we see, everything that we've talked about before. But I think that would be a great addition if they did that. I don't know what their plans are. Um, I mean, I don't, if the show does come back on another service, which it, it's, if it does come back, it will be on another, another service, obviously. I don't know what their plans were, would be for that, but I think it would be great to kind of give that a little bit of a, a backstory that we don't know, but just so you can feel, well, this is why there's tension between them. But yeah. Mm. One thing that I did notice, uh, I think a couple of other people pointed out, the difference between the original Skeksis puppets and the newer ones is that you'll notice on the original movie, the Skeksis snarl. So they have this like their mm-hmm. top lip mm-hmm. pulls back a lot of the time. So there's a really gorgeous close up of uh, Skekek, the ornamentalist, when Jen's on the balcony and he she she pulls he she pulls a lip right back into this awful snarl well that's completely missing from age of resistance they don't do it at all um and i wonder if that's because in the original um the heads were uh cable controlled mm-hmm. so um they would have had a cable on the back of the lip to pull back to to do that whereas they were animatronic in Age of Resistance, and I just wonder if it was something that they decided creatively out of everything that they were doing that it wasn't necessary. Because I mean, like for me, it doesn't distract me at all. But like you know, in Age of Resistance, you you get a lot of tongue action. You, you get a lot. Of to- you get a lot of tongue action from the Skeksis. <laughs> Uh, but it doesn't distract me at all. I mean, you know, Double Negative did all the the CG, and they look. It looks. That, like it belongs. It's it doesn't, looks good. It doesn't feel I, out of place. The only criticism I would have for it, not so much the effect, is sometimes you see it and sometimes it's not there. It's like, well, why are there tongues moving here but not mm. here? Um, and I think to your point, though, that cable or having getting their mouths to do that, to the snarl, would mean they'd need to engineer that, which means it's more expensive. Oh, yeah, hundreds. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think a cable yeah. would be cheaper, Honestly, like if you're just pulling a cable um, and but I do notice even though the puppets look amazing and they, they are the same characters that we know, if you look at their faces close up, they're not. I mean, besides their eyes, they don't do too much. Whereas in the original film, they had the time for you to see little breathing things coming uh, in the corner. The, the pulsing All the, faces. Yeah, the pulsations stuff, yeah. by their eyes. They don't, mm. You don't see any of that in Age of Resistance. Well, the only one that does that is the Collector. You're right. Like, there's a, there's a moment where, um, when when they're in, going back to that scene where they're all in a circle uh, with the armor, and there's a close-up shot of the Collector's head down, and her pustules are actually, like, pulsing. 
there's no there's no oozing but they're pulsing um but that is yeah she's the only one i think that has that moment um yeah everybody else is yeah like you said there's there's none of that yeah for sure but that's just like you said that's just time and money isn't it when you're doing a show this big and you've got so much to get through and you're trying to tell these stories and you've got loads more characters than you had before maybe you know doing taking like a day to get the pulse right on a face is not at the top yeah. of the priority yeah and i then that's say for instance they were gonna you know they engineer a snarl so then you gotta mm. do a camera setup for that well who's mm. gonna do it do they all yeah. do it so then it's a separate it's a whole it suddenly becomes tape. a special effect doesn't yeah it? so you Rather gotta set just that a up. performance yeah, um, yeah and you gotta you know make sure okay so we're gonna see it snarl from above us so that means we got to be in this so that means we got to do all this and that's a whole nother day of shooting um mm. to have that one effect i mean i guess they could have um incorporated it into the animatronic head but even like i know we're going to obviously talk about the gelfling which will probably be a, a several episode discussion because uh -huh. there's still yep. need to gelfling <laughs> but uh one of the i think i i talked to donna kimball about it or someone no i i Alice, I was talking to Alice about it and um, how in certain scenes with the Gelfling, you could kind of tell there was less tech in the head because they weren't really emoting. Like they just mm. seemed kind of dead in the face. Whereas mm. with others and uh, Alice, she was like, it's true. We, you know, not every Gelfling had all the same tech inside the head. And sometimes yeah, the Wii remote, were, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah. sometimes it was other tech, like the the Gelfling had pulled over uh, another animatronic, and then they would use it. But other times, like um, Madra Farah, there were moments where she just kind of looked like, why isn't she as alive looking as the rest? Because she didn't have the tech inside her head. They they didn't have the money to do that for all the Gelfling. They only yeah. had the money for certain. But then you'd look at um, Madra Laced and. Their, her design was so amazing you almost mm. didn't miss that she wasn't as animated because yeah i think it depends yeah it depends on the it depends on the puppet 100 i mean like Morja farah as much as i love her character like she's the weirdest looking gelfling Very ever made weird. right yeah. that is a strange design um and yet you look at the other Mordras and how absolutely stunning they are mm -hmm. every single one of them is the best the best gelfling it's yeah. it's like they they went you know we're going to make these the best of their race, and I want a spin off of them anytime soon. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, going back to what we were saying about special effects, like again with the hunter, you know, with the Chamberlain when he's stripped in the original film, you can see his tiny little back arms um, that don't move; they're just there, and it, it was kind of like you know a showpiece that you saw them. But yeah, you get to like Age of Resistance and suddenly Skekmal is using his arms to wield blades. And it's like that. I just love that they, again, they went that little bit different with him. And that, like you said, with the fight where it's him against Rin and Ordon, um, that whole choreography was just incredible. Mm -hmm. I bet that was just so, I bet they were knackered at the end of filming that yeah, because uh, there's just so much included in that moment. Yeah. I can't wait to start talking about, um, I mean, there's the amount of choreography and then, you know, the whole scene with Rianne inside the, um, when he's at the Madras, inside the Madras palace or whatever you want to call it, at Stone in the Wood, and then him cutting and then jumping and then the, oh, like, yeah. all, all the, the, the chandelier or whatever, the falling yeah. and then, oh my God, the, the choreography. Can you remember when the trailer came out and we watched them and we were like, how did they do that? Yeah. How yeah. did they do it? It's crazy. It's crazy. At any rate, I think that we should probably wrap this episode again for those listening. The, we never feel like we end these conversations because we don't. We'll always be talking about this, so I'm sure we'll get back to the Skeksis at some point. Um, yes. But we just felt like we needed again uh, an entryway into a larger discussion of the world that Jim Henson and Brian Froud created. So stay tuned for next time. Yeah, see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>